pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Eat your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome in to Inside Black and Gold. It's an episode. It's today. We're going to talk about Rookie Minicamp. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. I am joined, as always, by Steve Geller. Steve is a little microphone deficient today, but he's going to power through. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. I might be actually better off probably doing this through my phone's microphone instead of the laptop. I, I trust your laptop. All right. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to get into a lot of Rookie Minicamp stuff today. My goal is to play sound from all seven draft picks because we have it. We can do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. But in this first segment, <laughs> I have to talk about the things that have nothing to do with rookies, or at least mostly. And that's the Saints have signed two players. Now, we knew this was Breaking probably news. going to be the case because they have all these open roster spots. It's one of the reasons they're carrying three kickers on the roster right now. But the Saints have signed veteran wide receiver James Washington. How do you feel about that, Steve? Another addition to the depth chart. They're definitely reworking a lot of things. You know, we've seen some some guys leave like a, you know, Marquez Callaway type of player. I'm surprised, actually, I guess Traquan is, is still in the mix here. But it's interesting to see them kind of building up the wide receiver depth chart. It was definitely expected going into a training camp kind of thing. Uh Washington, a former second-round draft pick, just really hasn't lived up to the the hype, I guess you would say. Yeah, I mean, everyone's still in the mix right now. There there are 13 wide receivers on the on the roster as of this signing, which yeah. feels like a lot. Might have to go back and check this time last year if they had that many. I doubt it. Typically, you're only going to carry six, maybe seven wide receivers on the roster, so there will be a lot of cuts uh, <laughs> when we get down to it. But uh, here's what Dennis Allen had to say about James Washington this morning, that would be Monday morning at the Saints Hall of Fame golfing event. You know, obviously he was injured last year, but but there were some 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 things that we saw previously uh, to that in terms of just you know speed down the field. You know, kind of a a, uh, a guy that can get vertical into the defense. So obviously he's a guy that we're we're certainly you know interested in in, in potentially adding. Yeah, and, and I think you look at the numbers and, and the figures bear that out, right? So in his career, you're talking 114 catches, 1,629 yards, 11 touchdowns. His first four seasons were with the Steelers. He signed with the Cowboys last season. He dealt with a fifth metatarsal injury in camp. He spent a good chunk of the season on injured reserve. He appeared in two games, had one target zero catches. So you're really not getting anything from that last season. But if you want to go back, you know, the, 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 the negative thing you can definitely say about James Washington is his usage declined. 
over his last two years with the Steelers. His biggest year was in 2019. He had 44 catches for 735 yards and three touchdowns, a long of 79. So this is a big play guy, right? He averaged 16.7 yards per reception. In 2021, he had 24 catches for 285 yards, two touchdowns, and he averaged 11.9 yards per reception. So, you know, I think part of this is you're looking at it and saying, could his lack of usage be tied to Big Ben's arm turning into Jello, <laughs> which I think is is a reasonable question because it did, and it, it impacted Juju Smith-Schuster. It impacted the entire passing attack, and we didn't see him with Kenny Pickett to wonder whether there was a difference that were going to happen. Right? We didn't see him with Dak Prescott, so I think there is some reason for optimism of yeah, maybe he can get healthy and is a big play threat. Now, I don't know why, if the Saints really need another big play threat, but it never hurts to have a veteran on your roster. And I think at this point, when you're signing veterans ahead of camp, you're kind of trying to identify those veteran practice squad inclusions, like the Chris Harris of last season, the Latavius Murray of last season, because you can call them up three times out of the year. So if you end up stashing him on the practice squad, and then a guy like Chris Olave or Rashid Shahid gets hurt, well, all of a sudden you have a guy you can you can elevate and plug in. So I think that's probably what you're going with here. The biggest concern, obviously, is, you know, another guy, a receiver, too, dealing with a foot issue last year. But I don't think it's something that's been a chronic problem throughout his career kind of deal. Yeah, and I mean, I don't care if he's, deals, if he's an injury-prone guy because if he gets injured and doesn't play, it doesn't affect you at all. So like, I'm not – I don't think the injury history is a concern – it's a concern when you're paying somebody one year, $10 million, right. and he's going to be a major part of your offense. If he's James Washington, you're like, hey, let's gamble, <laughs> right? The odds are in your favor. So I, I think that's where you're going with yeah, your- I don't, Another guy, like you mentioned, like the calling up, setting down kind of thing. Kevin White's not back, is he? I think they, they've moved on from him. For now. For now, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll never say never. He seems to be just that guy that they bring back. You know, him and Kenny Stills, uh, there's right. always there's always a chance they end up on the roster. But yeah, so that's James Washington. They did sign one other player, and Dennis Allen kind of implied that this was going to be the case, is they had all these players in for tryouts. They have these roster spots. And so it is kind of interesting. You look at it and you say in most seasons, like I don't think a single tryout player made it last year. Like they had all the tryout players at rookie minicamp last year. I don't think a single one was signed to the active roster. This year is different. Like if I was a tryout player coming in for the Saints this year, I had all the motivation in the world because you look at all those empty roster spots. Like there's four roster spots just sitting there. They It doesn't benefit the Saints to leave them open. So there was a good chance if you're in that tryout, you you could get signed. And that's what happened to Jack Heflin, a defensive tackle. He was on the All-XFL team, as you pointed out. Last year, he spent some time with the Giants. The year before that, he was with the Packers, undrafted guy out of Northern Illinois. And so, yeah, you know, he he got a tryout and he got a roster spot. So good for him. Yeah, I mean, I'll still building that depth. You know, you've got Malcolm Roach, uh, Prince Amili, Jerron Cage, an undrafted rookie. So, you know, you, you know you've got Brian Brzee, Kalen Saunders, Nathan Shepard, obviously in the mix, but trying to build up anything you can along that D-line, get those bodies ready for OTAs, baby. Yes, OTAs, which is, you know, I think we're, I think the next episode this week, we should just look ahead to OTAs and kind of, make some predictions and stuff like that. For now, we're going to look back at the rookie minicamp that happened this past weekend. We've gotten through the signings. Nothing really exciting. I expect we'll get one or two more signings. I think you're going to sign a tight end. Like, I think you have to sign a tight end because 
one of the things that happened at rookie minicamp, which is kind of weird because it didn't happen, is Joel Wilson, the UDFA tight end that you signed out of Central Michigan, did not pass his physical and never actually signed on the roster. So you look at some other tryout guys. You have Seathan Carter, a tight end out of Nebraska, and you have Jamal Turner, a tight end out of Toledo. Like, I think at this point, if you're just looking for a camp body, either one of those guys, you probably just say, hey, come in for the first week for, for OTAs, for the first week of training camp. We'll pay you whatever you pay an, uh, an undrafted free agent, and you fill that roster spot. So I think that's a position to keep in mind. Because I, I think Joel Wilson, that's a bummer, because I think that he was interesting to get a look at. We never will actually see him. And I'm pretty sure we've we brought up last episode the signing of Foster Morrow. But at least, I mean, we got a little more information from Dennis Allen, from Mickey Loomis. Uh, also, you know, uh, talking at the Saints charity golf event. And it seems like the expectations are pretty much that he should be even available for organized team activities, which to me is pretty amazing. Yeah, we don't know whether he'll be there at OTAs. Right, we don't we know do for know sure. that he could be there at OTAs. Yeah. Like, we know that it's possible, and I think that's important. Like, I think it's up to Foster whether he wants to be out there or not, and it's up to his doctors. But when Dennis Allen was asked directly whether Foster could participate in OTAs later this month, he said, absolutely. But that's, again, don't freak out if he's not there. Because these are not mandatory. There are going to be a good number of players who aren't there. And Dennis Allen said today that he's kind of just going to wait and see. He expects pretty good attendance, but he's not going to predict who's there and predict who's not there because that only works against you when you say so-and-so is going to be there and then he doesn't show up. And I was like, oh, no, what's happening? Just ask the Pelicans um, about that one. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that they're just projecting that like he is he could be available. But, yeah, I mean – you, the, 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 the form of cancer that Foster had is a really high percentage chance of, you know, success and getting it to go in remission or whatever. It's still very cool that he was able to handle it and get back healthy or uh, however quickly he is able to. And uh, yeah, so and you're talking about a team that didn't need a tight end and now they have that tight end. Yeah, to me too, it's like you look at the skill set, obviously that Morrow brings to the Saints uh, exactly what they needed, a guy that can, you know, be that inline blocker with a little bit of, you know, that receiving finesse and has experience playing with Derek Carr, so that can only be another bonus. Yeah, he's just a well-rounded guy. And Mick, yeah. one thing Mickey said today was the whole, like, New Orleans native LSU guy, that's had nothing to do with their interest in Foster Moreau. Right, that's just Lanyap. And, like, that's why, like, again, like, we talk about, oh, why didn't they draft Tajay Spears? Because this team does not care that he is from New Orleans, right? It was never going to factor into their decision-making. Now, that said, there is a player who has a kind of homecoming story, if you will. His name is Nick Anderson. He's technically from Mississippi. His grandfather is actually the mayor of Vicksburg, Mississippi, but he played at Tulane. His whole family are Saints fans, and he's getting a chance to compete for a roster spot. And he's a confident guy, and we got a chance to talk to him after the second rookie minicamp practice, we were out there on Saturday. They had another practice on Sunday. But I think his approach and his his kind of the way he goes about what his kind of goals are for this offseason is, is impressive. And here's that interview kind of pared down from Saturday. 
It's been great, great experience. Just excited to start over, really. You know, being the Tulane, a lot of things that got repetitive, you know, just being the older guy in the room. So it's it's fun experience being a young guy in the room and just having so much to learn. Um, learning with Coach Hodges, learning with the other linebackers, learning what Coach Allen wants to do with the defense. Uh, it's been a great experience and just ready to keep soaking it in, keep being a sponge day in and day out. But what's it like going in and putting in that helmet? Oh, just overall, it means a lot, man. Just growing up watching the Saints, just even being in this locker room, seeing all pro guys walk through here like Jawan Johnson, Cameron Jordan, um, just a lot of guys. Tyron Matthews saw him the other day. Um, and just guys that, you know, have a legacy and have built the legacy in the NFL. It's surreal just being in the same locker room as those guys. And, you know, I'm not as starstruck as I was, but I'm good now. But just, you know, overall just having this opportunity is a blessing. I'm looking forward to making the most of it. You feel like you got something to prove? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely just being one of those guys that's undrafted, but just also just having the opportunity to continue to do what I love to do and play football. Definitely got a big chip on my shoulder. But, you know, this is nothing new. You know, I went to Juco route, um, went to Tulane, and you know, I had to start from the bottom. So just looking forward to doing that again. Yeah, so my question for you, you started Jones, right? And you go through that experience at Jones. What did that teach you about getting to this level? Um, just overall humility. You know, just being able to start over and really show me that you don't know it all. You know, and that's one of the things that I really just care with me here is just Forgetting, not forgetting everything, but you know, putting on the back burner what I've learned at Tulane and really trying to start over as a rookie and really understand what they're trying to do here. Um, understand I don't know it all. Understand I want to know it all. So, you know, just trying to learn from everybody. You know, not just coaches, but guys that have done rookie minicamp before. Um, guys that you know have went through all this before and just doing, making the most of the situations. And can you feel the support of the community behind you? Most definitely. And I rally with New Orleans, man. This is my home. You know, I'm a Mississippi guy, but New Orleans is my second home. I love the city. Love the support from everybody. And it's just the mentality of New Orleans, whether it's the Pelicans, whether it's the Saints, whether it's Tulane. They love their teams and, you know, just feel the love consistently. It's a blessing, man. It's not like this many other places, but I'm glad to call this home and ready to get to work. How excited was your family about this opportunity. Oh, my, my family went crazy, man. They, I think they were more excited than I was. Um, so, you know, my granddad, him being a uh, season ticket fan for the Saints, he was, you know, he was, it was right up his alley. Um, so I know that they made their day, you know, knowing that I was going to be close to home, only three hours away, and they can keep coming down, you know, high 20 to see me play. What's the first thing you've noticed in the difference between the collegiate and the professional level? Um, just overall, it's a little bit more detailed. You know, the coaches kind of slow it down a little bit just to make sure you're taking the right steps, making sure that each movement is efficient. You know, in the college world, you know, you're trying to get things done. You're trying to get everything done on the time limit. But here, they really just focus in on the details. And overall, just knowing your assignment and just slowing it down and knowing exactly what you're doing. So I just know that, you know, on this level, it's about the fine lining rather than just getting the reps. You know, Coach was saying the other day, it's about quality over quantity. And that's something that's definitely different in college. Has kind of staying in the same city helps the transition a little bit between college and NFL? Most definitely just not having to move, you know, not having to move across the country. Um, the heat was a little different because at Tulane we practice in the morning so coming out in the middle of the day it was a little bit hotter but overall it's been a smooth transition going from you know uh, uptown area out here. Nick when the schedule came out did you did you shoot Ty J a tech Oh most definitely most definitely I told Ty J I'm coming for him we going um, and we definitely got to get that jersey swap after the game. So yeah that was former Tulane linebacker Nick Anderson and you know I just appreciate that he's managed to thread the needle of being very humble and talking about how it's like, I know nothing. I am here to learn and kind of just emulate the stars that are around me and kind of form my game after them and, and be a productive member of this roster, but also like 
fully expects to be on this roster week one. No question in his mind. And, you know, like you, you listen to him and you believe him. Like you don't think like, oh, he's just talking. Like you believe what he's saying. And I think his approach is is a good one. Like he understands that what he learned at Tulane is not going to help him make this roster beyond kind of getting him set up to where he is now. From here, it is very much starting from square one. And, you know, there's going to be a linebacker in this group that makes this roster. Maybe there's someone signed up to scrap heap if if these guys don't pan out. But like one of a guy like Nick Anderson, Anthony Orgy, one of these linebackers is going to have a chance to make this roster. And, you know, I think Nick is going to have some difficulties in the sense that he is not the size that you would want your traditional right. linebacker to be. But he's definitely going to put the work in. Right. Has the great attitude. You know, we've we've talked about it before, too. Someone that he looks up to, obviously, former Dome Patrol legend and Sam yeah. Mills. And I know, you you know, we mentioned the, the field mouse, uh, one of your favorite nicknames of all time. But to yeah. to have that kind of sense when you get compared, uh, one of his coaches compared him to, to to a Mills player trying to live up to that's obviously difficult, especially now you're going to the black and gold and playing in New Orleans. But we've, we've seen this kid work before, and, and obviously that road to making the roster is going to be through special teams, which thankfully for him, he's got that experience at Tulane as well. Yeah, he can definitely stand out on special teams. Uh, and I think that's going to be the ticket to whoever makes that the roster. If, if there is kind of a UDFA making this roster a linebacker, it's going to be because they stand out on special teams and they make themselves invaluable on special teams. A couple other things worth noting, he's put on some weight. Because he's trying to obviously, yeah, he's he's yoked right now. I mean, he's a smaller guy, so he kind of it's you know when you're smaller, you kind of just look like a you know muscle hamster, right? Like the Doug Martin <laughs> thing. But he's a, he's a big dude, and so like there's a good name really right like, there too. Can he o- overcome the height and the length disparity by just toughing it out? I don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. The other thing he did was he turned fine line into a verb which is something I haven't heard before. Maybe it's a, maybe it's an NFL thing. He said he's fine lining. Like he's <laughs> like, like you're kind of, you have to like have a fine line and you're, you turn that in. I don't know. I enjoy, I enjoy the English language sometimes. Yeah. You know, you just got to make up your own words to describe what you're, you're, you mean some, you know, to get it out there. See, but I don't, I don't think well, he is, made that what up. Be, what would be fine lining? Well, like, so you're, you know, you're trying to make everything perfect. Like, like one of the things that every one of these UDFAs and rookies said, and, and this is not them, this is them parroting, like they're taking in information and they're, they are repeating it and they're trying to understand it. And, and one of those things is you, this is more about quality than quantity. This is detail oriented work. This is not about getting in as many reps as you can. This is about getting in as many quality reps as you can. And so that's the fine line you need to walk is you need to work hard. You need to work fast, but you need to do it all right. There's no more space for, okay, well, I can make up for that because I'm more athletically gifted than everyone else in the room. That's not the case anymore. You need to do it better. And we're going to hear from Nick Saldaveri, and and he talked about that too, coming from a small school. But yeah, I, I think fine lining. Like, it's just funny because you hear, you hear stuff said. And you hear it enough times that it's like, okay, someone in this coaching staff is using that, that Probably, verbiage. Right. And it's kind of filtering back <laughs> through the interviews. And so it wouldn't surprise me if at some point this year we hear Michael Hodges say fine lining. I'm like, okay, there it is. Anyway, I just find that stuff amusing. No, you're right. It's probably definitely coming from a coach, and that's why you are hearing it parroted. 
Yeah. Well, like every, everyone on the Saints to a two will say, oh, get 1% better every day. Right. <laughs> that, was always, that was always cam to me. And I was like, I was, is that rubbing off on everybody else? Well, it's a Dennis Allen thing. Okay. It's very, he says that all the time. And so the rookies come in and they're like, okay, yeah, go 1% better. Like Jay Kaner said that. And I was like, Jay Kaner is definitely the player, the rookie, who's going to hear his coach say something and immediately start repeating it. Because that's just the type of player he is. He's, you know, he's like a manifest reality type guy. I don't know. I, I just, I enjoy that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to get like a Saints verbiage of training camp kind of dictionary maybe. We should. We should come up with like a glossary of, <laughs> of Saints training camp terms and what they actually mean. Uh, that would be funny. I, I might start that. Maybe I'll start it with fine lining and just kind of add to it as we go. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to play audio from all seven Saints draft picks. So far, you've heard from Nick Anderson. He's going to be the one UDFA we hear from today. We'll get more into the, UT, the UDFAs as we go on. But that's something I think we can get into at OTAs because that's, to me, OTAs is like... UDFA proving ground. That is where they really can make up some the gap on some players because not all the veterans show up. So there's some valuable reps to be had. So we're going to talk about them down the road, but we're going to come back. This is Inside Black and Gold, and we're going to start with some sound from first round pick Brian Brzee. The first time we've really got to talk to him in a, in a close-up setting on a Zoom call. So keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. We'll be right back. 